This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast, and I'm here with Ruby. Hi, Ruby. Hi, Annie. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited you're here. So why don't you um, kind of take us back to sort of the beginning for you, like your first drink or where did it all start? Um, so I guess the first um, drink was in high school. Um, I uh, had um, a drink. Let's see. There was four of us girls and um, I think they stole some alcohol from, from their parents all I remember is I was really sick and I did not like it. Uh, so I actually didn't really drink alcohol. Um, I wasn't a heavy drinker in high school or college. Um, it, I was always called the lightweight and I could only have like a half a glass of something. And, uh, so, um, yeah, alcohol wasn't necessarily a, a problem for me until I started uh, working in the wine industry about 20 years ago. So that's kind of where I grew up, though, um, in the wine country, and my stepdad is a winemaker. So wine was uh, kind of like its own thing. It was uh, revered, and um, it was uh, something that you had at dinner every night. It was kind of requirement and part of just living in this area. So, yeah, that's my beginning. <laughs> So then when you went to work um, in the, in the wine industry, what did that look like? What was your, what was your job? I um, worked in marketing and sales as well as the finance. So I reported uh, wine and sold wine, worked um, in web stores. So um, had to um, help people to uh, um, buy the wine. <laughs> Sorry. I'm yeah. nervous. I realize I'm nervous now. <laughs> That's okay. Don't worry. Totally. That's fine. So, um, yeah. So what about that kind of triggered your own drinking? Do you think? It just became something that I started doing every day. It became so ingrained with my identity, every part of my life, um, friends, coworkers, uh, everything involved wine. Um, every part of everything, including, um, I, I'm a mother, a single mother, but dealing with all my other parents, friends, and, um, you know, we would have play dates that we would drink champagne or, <laughs> so it started becoming, um, just every ingrained in every single part of my life. Um, so it found, it was very difficult for me to try to distance myself from that. Yeah. For sure. And so was there any, at that time, did you have any experience of feeling like, huh, I'm not really liking how much I'm drinking or was it just everything was pretty normal, pretty kosher? I didn't think about how much I was drinking at all. Uh, and I did not think, I didn't even really know about alcoholism or even, it wasn't on my spectrum of what drinking is for me. Um, I thought an alcoholic or someone that drank 
to excess was like a bum on the on the street or something you know i just just i i had my job everything was fine so i i didn't think anything about it um but my my first addiction was was food um and um i actually gained a lot of weight so much so that i decided my solution was to have bariatric surgery so that's actually when I started to abuse alcohol was after that. I didn't realize that um, people that have bariatric surgery or weight loss surgery are very susceptible to, to be abusing alcohol. Um, and that's really when um, all of a sudden my tolerance was up, uh, my, the amount I was drinking um, increased drastically and rapidly, very rapidly. Uh, and that's kind of when I realized I, definitely had a problem, but it took many, many, many years for me to really try to even get help, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so with that surgery, do you have any, is there any logical reasons why that happens that were explained to you or how did you find out that that is um, a complication? I found out just by actually kind of the first drink afterwards, it affected me uh, so much more. The, the euphoria feeling was kind of instant, but then it went away really quickly. So instead of me having one glass of wine that would last an hour, I could, you know, it would just be minutes, you know, and then you would want another drink um, to have that same euphoria feeling very much uh, just sped up um so there must be some sort of science behind it as well but i just knew from experience uh <laughs> it just felt that way it and were you way. allowed to drink right away or was it one of those things where they're like kind of give you i know i know for me when i was on certain um medications like antidepressants the bottle said don't drink but the doctor was like oh you know, those are just guidelines. It's not really something you have to worry about. So the message I was getting from the doctor was very different than the message I was getting from the medicine. Yeah, that's similar. They, they recommend that you don't drink alcohol or um, don't drink at all. But uh, yeah, it felt like it was more of a, well, re we recommend, but um, it wasn't really explained to me uh, the alcoholism um, component of having surgery. Um, yeah, so I didn't really follow that guideline. <laughs> I actually said, hey, I work in the wine industry. Um, I'm going to still continue to drink wine. And they're like, okay, just, you know, they actually did kind of say it's okay, but they don't recommend it. Um, but I think um, when your stomach is so small, you can have liquids, you know? And so that was also, it was, it was like a treat or it was like something I could still do. You know, so that also, I think, contributed. And so were you, aside from that massive complication of alcohol becoming problematic, <laughs> were you happy otherwise with the, the process and the surgery? Uh, yeah, I mean, I lost the weight. Um, but when, you, when I drink alcohol, um, my ambitions go down and I'll just start eating. And then I don't even think about what I'm eating. So I did gain most of the weight back. Um, yeah, so <laughs> since surgery, isn't a, it doesn't fix it all. It, you know, you can gain the weight back, so. <laughs> 
that's so then have you done work um both on food and alcohol as you come through this whole journey yes i started with alcohol because that's the the biggest issue uh for me um and then um the weight loss that's why i think when you can relieve one uh, um, addiction it can feed into your other addictions and i was able to find an eating program and stick with it because I can set goals now and stick with them. And uh, yeah, I've lost almost all the weight back again. <laughs> yeah, you look great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, so that's interesting. So it wasn't necessarily the quick fix. I, I, I'm asking all these questions just because so many people come to me and ask about medications for alcohol, right? Like naltrexone and mm-hmm. interviews and different medications. And, um, and I've interviewed some experts about that on this podcast. You can find those if you're curious, because I don't have any personal experience, but then the people who go and try the medications, they often find that like, if they didn't fix the thinking and, and therefore the behavior and the desire, like the medications didn't actually work anyway. Like you're about think it, right? I tried naltrexone. I did. Um, for me, uh, it definitely you, you, they say just continue to drink like normal and you don't feel it's like drinking a glass of water, you know, it really had no effect, but I just continued to drink and it didn't have, yeah, it didn't work. Naltrexone didn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And I think it's one of those things like where we, we just are, we're looking for something and wouldn't it be great if it just, you know, worked out of the gate, but sometimes it isn't those things. So anyway, let's get back to what did work for you. So you had this, surgery. you noticed that even one drink was totally affecting you differently, even though you didn't know anything about the statistics, which of course there are now statistics and studies yeah. showing this link. Um, but you didn't know that you had this one drink. You're like, wow, this is affecting me differently. Some ways good, some ways bad. Um, and then what happened? Um, let's see. I would say the next real wake up call for me was, um, my aunt who also had had bariatric surgery died. And at the funeral, I found out she died from alcoholism. And I, I had no idea even she drank alcohol um, that much or at all. Um, so that was a real wake up call for me. Um, and uh, I kind of freaked out and I was able to stop for about two weeks, but that was it. Um, it was, again, it was so ingrained uh, in my entire life, my identity. Um, I think the very first time at work, they said, we need to do some tastings. I was like, okay, I guess I'll not, you know, I'll start drinking again. I, it, yeah, it just wasn't, I, I didn't have the right mindset. I know now. Um, uh, that continued for years where I just kind of drank every day to relieve stress. Um, and it just increased, increased in, in quantity um it was the vicious cycle of but many people experience uh you know vowing every morning to not drink today um going to work being stressed coming home drinking anyway you know falling asleep on the couch every night waking up around my time was 217 every night um just asking for help into the universe, you know, every night having insomnia. Mm. This went on for years and years. Um, 
I was never able to, to stop. Uh, eventually, um, in uh, December 2018, my position was eliminated, not from anything I did, but like just my whole team. But I took that opportunity to say, I'm going to figure out a way to stop drinking alcohol. And that's when a friend recommended your book. <laughs> awesome. And so um, you read the book and was that pretty easy for you after that once you kind of saw some of the truths around alcohol or did it, was it still a journey? How did that go? It still was a journey. Uh, I would say um, that was my biggest mind shift or catalyst. Um, I just had no idea that this was ha uh, happening to other people, really. I, I really didn't even realize that. And that, um, that it actually, that alcohol was poison. That was a really, really interesting chapter for me too. I always thought alcohol was kind of good for me, especially wine, right? It's good for me. Um, even though deep down I knew it was hurting my liver, hurting my brain. You know, I knew these things, but I couldn't put two and two together. Um, when I read your book, also just the whole part about society, that it was, you know, in my job, it's in everything. Once you stop and then you, you look at like TV shows and, you know, uh, social media, it's just everywhere, everywhere you go. Um, alcohol is just kind of a norm, which uh, I didn't quite, you know, realize as well. So there were so many aha moments when I read the book. And then I... Um, I had this girl's trip planned though. Uh, I had kind of successfully moderated and, and reduced my consumption for about two months. And then I had this girl's trip planned to Ireland <laughs> and I didn't have the tools. I didn't know how to stop when I was in Ireland with my girlfriends where we're going to pubs every day. So I just made a decision to, to drink in, in Ireland um, but then when I got back, I couldn't even have one day or two days to get, you know, of not drinking. I couldn't do it. So I, um, I actually was thinking maybe I need rehab. I, I, I couldn't, but that was so expensive. Uh, I did find a program through Kaiser called IRP and, uh, I did join that, which required AA. So I also went to AA. Um, <laughs> So I've tried a lot of different things. Anyway, the bottom line is, is it worked for me? I think the most important thing is I made the decision. Mm, for you sure. Know, I, yeah. So. And so pretty soon after Ireland, going to meetings, you felt like, okay, this is, this is it. Like I'm really, I made the decision. And then once the decision was made, it was better, easier. I mean, recovery, my life. It's a really, really big part of my life. Um, every audiobook, every um, <laughs> movie I watched for months and months and months was recovery related. You know, I started um, just reading as much as I could, finding out as much as I could. Uh, I read your book multiple times. I've recommended it. I mean, I just was constantly doing recovery work, learning as much as I could about what is alcohol abuse disorder? What, how can, um, I think for me, knowledge is really important. I have to kind of learn 
and then I can apply it. Uh, Self-care is also a really big part of um, keeping me sober. Um, and meditation. And then finding a higher power. <laughs> I really do believe in a higher power now. And it's such a empowering um, part of my life. Uh, and I'm living such a... I didn't even know how great life could be um, until, you know, I, one year, I just celebrated one year anniversary and uh, it's just, my life is amazing. The things that I wrote down in the beginning of my journal a year ago are actually happening. Mm. Every, you know, not everything, but like things are happening and so great in my life. Um, it's just, uh, it's the best thing. And I just want everybody to experience this if they were in the, you know, in that despair that there is hope That's there really is hope the mind can change the brain is flexible <laughs> so yeah so what are some of your you know besides this naked mind what are some of your other favorite books or movies that really were highlights for you okay um well i love to read uh well i love holly Whitaker and the hip sobriety school which is now tempest and she's got a book called uh, Quit Like a Woman, which is great. Um, I'm trying to think. You're putting me on the spot. Um, basically, I was uh, reading a lot of memoirs, too. Um, many, uh, <laughs> just silly ones, too, like Rob Lowe. And um, trying to think. Um, I read a lot of books about the brain, uh, meditation books. Um, Sorry, I'm, I'm not, uh, I should have my list out of all my oh, books. That's okay. I, <laughs> I didn't really ask that. I was just wondering if there's any good resources you had for, yeah. for people. That's awesome. And then what about self-care? You know, you said that's really important. What sorts of things do you do that you would recommend? Um, for, for early sobriety, I, what I did was, was take a bath every night. Um, I don't know if a lot of other people have done that, but that, helped me um let's see uh well meditation meditation is key i think that has had the biggest impact um i can see over this year journey that my mind is healing and i think meditation it takes a long time for your mind to heal or i think maybe everybody's different but like it's still healing like and it's been a year so um, but meditation, you can, you can really reach, um, a sense of calm. And when you have panic or any triggers, that's a place that I can go to, um, to calm my mind and get centered. Um, a lot of mindfulness techniques I've learned, um, grounding techniques just to, to breathe. Um, I practice yoga almost every day. Um, that's another really great technique. I got a lot of massages. I think that's what I, I think for every month I, I, I would um, celebrate with a, a massage. That's <laughs> it's awesome. kind of something I enjoy. So that's great. Uh -huh. Those are all so good. I love that so yeah. much. And then what about, you know, your social life and friends and, you know, the girls you went to Ireland with, like how, did, how did all that sort of, how has that been working? And that's out? a good question because that was a really tough, um, tough for me. Um, I still haven't told everyone 
I'm kind of going about it, you know, each person, but friends that I, I did drink with, I told right away. And, um, they've all been really, really supportive. Really. I do think there's a few times that I've had to make adjustments with my friendships. Um, and that, that just can happen. Um, I would say the toughest part of this last year was, you know, going through each holiday or each major event. I've done everything now, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and I was the one that always hosted at my house. So that was hard for me because I was the one supplying all the wine. And um, so I think the first major holiday was Thanksgiving. And um, I just told my parents I couldn't host because I didn't feel comfortable enough to have alcohol in my house and I didn't want to ask them not to drink. But then what I decided to do was host a Friendsgiving with all my new sober friends. And it was so much fun. I had like 10 people come and it was, it was a sober event. That was a really big um, transition for me because I also invited my friends that um, continue to drink or are not part of any you know, sobriety, friendship. And um, we all got, it was great. It was fine. I actually have so much more fun not drinking. Um, I've been doing game nights with friends. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, everything's been great. People are so supportive. I thought it was going to be a big problem. I really did, but it's not. Um, you, you, you learn to get through all of these different events and now alcohol is just not even something I think about. I kind of forget about it, actually, which is great. Um, yeah, I'm just living my life. I don't even think about it. I don't have to avoid that aisle at the grocery store anymore, or I just don't even think about it. So that's so awesome. That's wonderful. Yeah. I think that um, one of the things that, you know, my husband and I noticed early on was that you have to take a little more intention to create the space to relax. And I think that's something that's really important for people because mm -hmm. if you are drinking, it's, it's just like this. So um, I, I, I'm drinking coffee with caffeine now, but a few years ago, I decided, you know what, I'm going to see how it is to, to give up coffee and just drink decaf for a while. And I remember we got all this decaf and we're like clockwork. Like we make the coffee every morning, we drink it. And the first week or so we're making it every morning and we're drinking the decaf. But then the second week, like he'd forget one day and I wouldn't even notice. And then we'd be like, oh, did we even make coffee yesterday? And all of a sudden, because the addictive substance, the caffeine wasn't in there, the habit of making coffee every day was no longer like, top of mind. Like it wasn't like this push, this rush, this do this thing, you know, there wasn't mm -hmm. something, you know, almost external driving us in, in the nature of like, you need this thing because you have this physical, even if it's a small physical dependence, you have this physical dependence. So how that relates to alcohol is one thing that I notice is that it is very easy when we were both drinking to be like, okay, after the kids are in bed, we're going to go sit out on our porch and play cards, or we're going to go sit out on our porch and spit a bottle of wine. And when we first stopped drinking, that just went away because it was like we were being pulled there by the drinking. So you have to be really intentional 
about, okay, well, we're still gonna just go sit on the porch and maybe we'll have Topo Chico or maybe we'll have iced tea, whatever it is, but we're gonna go sit on the porch. And at first, sometimes it doesn't feel like as comfortable, like I have so much else to do, but I think it's really important to like intentionally create those spaces to have fun or relax because you can get just swept up in all this stuff. And that is one thing that I think anything that is, you know, whether it's, it's coffee that like slows you down to go to a coffee shop or, you know, you're, you're going outside for your cigarette and you're spending time outside, you can still go outside and take a few deep breaths a few times a day. But when you're not smoking, your brain just says, oh, but we're busy. We'll do this one more thing that can happen later. And so I think that intentional, like, no, I'm still going to go outside. I'm going to sit and I'm going to enjoy a few minutes outside a few times a day. I'm still going to do it. It takes a little bit more effort, I'd say, but it's really worth it. And I like that you're highlighting that because I think it's so important. I think it can fall off so easily and you can be a work hard, play hard person. And then you take away the alcohol and all of a sudden you're just a work hard person. This was me for a few years. And I was like, oh my gosh, just the work hard part. This is awful. And it wasn't <laughs> that the alcohol was, was um, you know, making those moments anything spectacular. In fact, I have much more spectacular moments without the alcohol. It was just that it was acting as the trigger, right? Like it was mm -hmm. acting as a trigger to go and sit. And now, so now recently we went into our backyard and we're just like sitting there um, in some chairs and talking. And it, it, it's just one of those things, like if you, you do it, it's just as great, if not better, but you don't have that impetus to do it because you aren't having that physical, like, Ooh, I need to make my coffee. Right. Like it's just not happening. So I don't right. know, sense, but yeah, totally. <laughs> I think it's so good. So, um, what else are your, like, what else were some of the, the things that you, you know, thoughts that you think were, or things that you really recommend or, you know, ways that like have, have been really helpful to you for people who are listening, just kind of to, to stay the course and especially not to beat yourself up um, as the road is not, we think it's just this really clean road of like, and it's never that way. It's always a bumpy road. So, um, I'd say having a really strong support group and friends that you can talk to and, um, is really important, uh, for me because, um, yeah, it's been, a, and it, you know, I think it will get easier for the second year cause I've already done like a whole year of, of, of different things, but, um, each month I had hurdles to get over, um, because different things were being addressed. I remember getting so angry one day, um, a few months after getting sober, I was like, how am I going to go on a date? You know, there's no way I'm going to go on a, on a date. I'm single. So I'm like, that, you know, I need to have a, a glass of wine or a drink and, and need at a bar. You know, that's how you have a date. And I couldn't think about it, but I had, you know, and then I, you know, there's a ch couple chapters in your book, but like I had to read those again. And, and now I just go, I'm, I'm the lucky one, you know, and I'm lucky. I get to be sober on a date. And the, the man I'm going to look for is going to be hopefully sober. I mean, that's what I'm going <laughs> to, but I mean, we're going to have a better relationship, which won't have alcohol in it at all. I'm going to make better decisions. I'm going to be more true when I'm on this first date. You know, it's, it's just going to be a better experience. So, um, I, I actually say to myself, I'm, I'm lucky that 
I have had all of these experiences because I do believe you can only, I, I think somebody said it, you know, you can only really see the light after you've gone through the darkness. So it's kind of true. Like now I can see um, how wonderful life is and what, you know, what, what my life is like now is so different that um, I just say, what would my advice be? Stick with it. Mm-hmm. Because um, it, there, it's going to be hard. Yeah, every day it can be hard. But if you stick with it, eventually it, it does get easy, easier. And, and you don't even think about alcohol. Um, it's just not something that I think about anymore. So that's so yeah. great. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the only way that you can really fail is not by drinking again, but just not sticking with it, not kind of picking yourself up and dusting yourself off. You know, like if you stick with it, like it will come. It just might not be yet and it might not be time yet. There might be more things you need to learn or observe so that it's really sticks and is peaceful. And so I think that's great. That's really great. That's awesome. So Ruby, let me ask you the question that I kind of asked at the end of, of these, which is, you know, if you're going to go back um, and, and talk to yourself, you know, the one that was struggling and maybe even really becoming more addicted after the surgery, what would you tell her about what life is like now? Life now, Ruby, is, is wonderful. Um, I mean, I still have problems, but now I know how to deal with them without alcohol. Um, I, I, the, the, my vision board is coming true. Things like meditation every day, yoga every day, you know, get to my goal weight. Um, all of these things are, are possible because I'm not drinking. Um, and that was the big stumbling block in my life was the drinking. And once that's gone, I'm free from that. Now, uh, I really see the, the possibilities are endless. I am doing so many amazing things. Um, I'm learning to be a life coach and I want to help people. I have found a purpose in life. I, I think I was just living in this every single day cycle of never setting goals, getting out of my, and I'm out of that cycle, that negative cycle. And now I can help people. I want people to learn about the experience that I've gone through and hopefully I can help inspire and change others' lives as well. And I'm just thrilled with, with life. <laughs> and I want to say one more thing. My son is really proud of me mm-hmm. and, um, and that, oh my gosh, I'm almost going to cry. Cause, um, that was the hardest part was being a mom and knowing that he, um, was seeing me drinking too much and I wasn't being a really good mom. And now I can be a really good role model for him. And he actually has said that to me on several occasions and he's so proud of me. So yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Well, um, this has been great. And it's, it's, it's so great to get to know you better as you're going through the certification and all that. Um, so Yeah, this is awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Ruby. I really, really enjoyed hearing your story. Thanks, Annie. Thanks for the opportunity. Hey, it's Annie Grace. I want to tell you about the most important book that I never wrote. And I mean that. This is This Naked Life. It's 48 true stories of people finding freedom from alcohol. And it's so inspiring. 
It's our stories, as you know from this podcast, that truly change us, that revolutionize what we believe is possible for ourselves. So it's This Naked Life. You can find it on Amazon or check it out online. Even download it 100% free at nakedlifestories.com. And every single copy that you buy, all the proceeds are 100% committed to keeping the alcohol experiment forever free for anybody who needs it. So check it out. It's such an inspirational book. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.